As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just the trio of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like Scrammy's top with cheese. It's Philadelphia. Bo Sheel and Zach kicking it cooler than three penguins till Zach runs off with his valet keys. He's a real nuanced goose. Pull up a branch, get loose. It's time for some juice on some Birds with Friends. The early bird gets the worm, but prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo Sheel and Zach coming at you with steps and Things flapping their wings on. Birds with friends. Birds All I know is that that he has a game where Shield don't read both seven thousand. <laughs> and I said, I'm in. Let's go. Let's do and, it. And so the yeah, purpose that's of what I, really what I needed was not to get at least one more reader. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Tuesday, one week out from the NFL draft. And so, Birds with Friends, we turn our attention fully to the draft. We will have the Annual Duck Duck Juice draft coming up later in the show in which we draft the positions we think the Eagles are most likely to select. We've got a special guest, Dane Brugler, will be joining us in just a bit. But before we get to that, Sheil, Zach, Sheil, how you doing? I was just reading The Beast from Dane Brugler, and, you know, there's so many great nuggets. I find myself, as I'm going through, I'm telling nuggets uh, to my wife, which tells mm. you, uh, you know, how good it is. I'm like, oh, you know, th- this uh, this prospect, I think it was uh, Levi. Actually, no, it wasn't him. On it was one of the, Yeah, no, it's not him. It, it was one of the Seattle-based people and basically okay. went to high school near us when we were in Seattle. Uh, there was uh, somebody who skipped kindergarten, which we thought was uh, interesting. <laughs> but, you know, Joe Tryon, the, the, the University of Washington edge rusher. Uh, and they Brugler, call him the dressing room. Dane writes, looks like an action figure. I mean, my gosh, talk about just guessing. <laughs> compliment. Think, yes. think about just reading that about yourself. It looks like an action figure. Mm. I would just, I would be probably just be the biggest jerk, you know, if I read that about myself, my uh, Like looks here. like the action figure of uh, Earthquake the Wrestler. That's, that's me. Go ahead. <laughs> wow, what a pull. Earthquake. Uh, typhoon John also, right? Was it, there was a, Earthquake right? and Typhoon, absolutely. Yeah, yeah those were the Previously Tugboat. 
Yes, that that those were the days when I was spending my uh, Saturday mornings just in front of the uh, TV there. But anyway, love, I spent so much time with those wrestling figures. Oh, so fun! Absolutely. Okay. Anyway, so the the beast is awesome. I've been cycling through it. I've been trying to form my own opinions while doing research. I'm through. I would say. Let's look at my spreadsheet here. I am through uh, 52 players so you know i nice. feel good about uh where i'm at we've got what nine days left so i think now I'll what are you doing are you working team. like like top uh like first and second round guys down or are you going by position no i i'm doing from top down so i, I took okay. uh, i'm not i'm not going to mention the names but in addition to dane i took some other draft analysts who i like mm-hmm. i did a little spreadsheet so i could form a bit of an average you know kind of a wisdom of crowds type thing um to give myself a a big board there and then i just uh you know going through his notes, some other stuff, and uh, watching guys when I need to. You know, I, I like to watch the wide receivers. I'm not going to watch the offensive mm-hmm. linemen. I don't have better takes than like uh, Brandon Thorne of uh, you know who, who's doing great right. rankings for Bleacher Report. So I'm like, I'll just steal his rankings. Um, you know, he he does the work and knows better than me. And then just kind of you know reading the notes and putting in my own notes of who I like and don't like. Yeah, I'm going to do the uh, the shadow draft again this year, which I did last year. And I think it will be a different exercise this year just because I've, I've, I've paid less attention, like I'm, I'm cramming now. But it'll be more of an exercise of like, you know, working off of general consensus. You know, Arif Hassan just came out with his consensus big board, which you can read on The Athletic. Oh, I missed that. Okay. Uh, just came out this morning. Um, and, you know, you know, again, this is not like, you know, I could draft better than the Eagles. It's just that like, uh, they're doing their work, and then how would it compare to like if you were just sort of making consensus picks along the way, and how would how would that turn out? Zach, what's uh, what's your what's your uh, process like? You're just going through Dane's guide and and searching for the word Philadelphia. <laughs> well, I did that as we've discussed on a previous <laughs> podcast. I am certainly not built like an action figure, so I I, I would not do well <laughs> in Dane's guide. But uh, I I low man wins. You've got leverage, baby. Natural <laughs> that is leverage. True. I've, uh, I've 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 read that guide quite a bit, and uh, it is outstanding. And I will say, uh, for someone like me who who has been following a lot of these guys since they were high school prospects, and then uh, when when they were freshmen in college, and and until this point, it's fascinating to see the the like official heights and weights because mm-hmm. you have guys who have like shrunken since their rivals profiles right they were like six three in high school and now they're like six one and a half right so uh so that's always it's it's always interesting to see the they official wearing, they were wearing clogs the whole time <laughs> yeah yeah um I, I i i like the joke that if if i was a college athlete my my listed height would be much more generous than my actual height hmm that, well, I mean, speaking of, uh, you know, uh, what's the word vertically challenged, mm. uh, the, the last player I watched, and I know we're going to get to uh, wide receivers later this week, but have you, have you guys watched, uh, and again, you probably, you probably seen him on uh, Saturdays, at least you Zach Rondell Moore from Purdue. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bo, have you him, watched I him watched yet? I watched him yesterday, actually. <laughs> I mean, uh, the injuries and, uh, you know, 5-7 and injury history is not a profile you want, but... Uh, he does look like an action figure. I don't know that anyone has more juice than him. I mean, he is uh, he, he is incredible just from breaking tackles, making guys miss. Uh, so he, he gave me like a sort of jolt of energy uh, right I've before gotta, we, we started recording I've got to look, but I, you know, he's the kind spot. of guy where it's like you got to find a role for him, right? 
Yes, because I, uh, let's he's look not, at my note he's here. not I, like I said, a plug-and-play wide receiver. He's like, it's well, extra work for the coaching pl- staff. I think he could be a plug-and-play slot receiver. Absolutely. Okay. I'm worried about his. I'm worried about the injuries. I mean, missed 11 of 18 games yeah. the last two years. Um, that that would not be someone I want to take early. But I did write, uh, please get him with a great OC because I do think there's. Yeah, like, that's a good. Yeah, I like that. He, he does seem sort of like fit dependent. I guess. Yeah. Health, so he was uh, uh, health aside. But uh, I guess before we get into Dan, do you guys want to talk a little bit about our our rankings last week of the Eagles options at 12? Um, it seems to me that like it's sort of settling in where it's a it's likely that the Eagles will get one of like the four wide receivers slash cornerbacks, mm-hmm. Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Waddle, who probably won't make it there, uh, Patrick Sertan, who probably won't make it there, and J.C. Horn. But there's like, you know, there's the possibility that they go uh, off the board and take a defensive end or an offensive lineman who falls potentially. Uh, how do you guys feel about 12 right now? Do you feel like it, it should be one of those four guys? And like, how bad would it be if it wasn't? I think one of the three Alabama players uh, will be there at 12. I do think, though, that you know, this is an obvious statement. The Eagles could trade up or down. But mm-hmm. like, I, I, I would make it such that it's it's almost equal odds for the Eagles to draft at 12 than it, it would be for them to move up or move down. I, I think why would be... they trade up? I keep saying who, who mm-hmm. would they trade? Who would be worth trading up for in your, in your guys' opinion? Well, if, if they love one of those guys, right. I and, feel like and then they think I've, the Giants like would you take could them. talk me into trading up two or three spots for Sertan. Yeah. Okay. You know, the, the, the point being that if, if there's a guy who, you know, and you think of C.D. Lamb last year, right? If if Sertan's going to go to the Cowboys and, and you think he's your clear number one corner and you can jump the nine without giving up much, uh, or I guess much is relative, but if, if you can get your guy, you still come away with the first-round pick next year, that could be a favorable outcome. So I, I think that the Eagles will be nimble. They have the most picks in this draft now. I also could see them moving down like three spots if 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 they do want to take one of those edge rushers I don't and they think, think twelve is too high, thing. especially if you can get the extra second, right? You know, I I think that would be the motivation if you can get a second or that might be hard to do, but uh, if you can get a, another pick in the top hundred and still come away with someone you're thinking at, at twelve, it's not horrible. You just need to make sure you don't miss because obviously. The farther down you go, your 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 hit rate becomes much uh, becomes lower. Yeah, I'm sort yeah, of, I, of two I'm sort of of two minds of this. Like you know, you have the sixth overall pick, and so you want to come away like you had the sixth overall pick. So you want to come away with like a real difference maker in this draft. But the way that like the draft is setting up and the positions that are going to be at the top, like you've talked about this, Shield. You know, is is corner a worthwhile value, you know, at 12 in this, in what is going to be a, a zone heavy scheme where maybe you don't necessarily need like the most talented corner to be successful. It's not going to move the needle that much. And if, you know, if Waddle is gone and Devonte Smith is like, you know, let's say that the Eagles just aren't willing to take a player of his physical profile, he's off their board or he's not a first round player on their board. You know, it, it makes more sense to move down and take a, you know, uh, whether that's, a pass rusher or, you know, you're trading down a little bit further to take a defensive tackle or an offensive lineman. I mean, I think that's okay. It's, 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 it's a little bit silly to like parachute down from six to like 19 or 20, but in terms of like positional value, it might sort of make sense. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have a hard time seeing a guy that would be worth trading up for when you look at the holes on the roster and the lack of young talent and the positions that would be available. I mean, if you're trading up for a wide receiver, like what we know wide receiver is deep. We know that they shouldn't really trust their evaluations on uh, thinking that like the their their uh, third ranked wide receiver is so much better right. than their fourth ranked ranked fourth ranked <laughs> fourth fourth ranked a lot wide of receiver. Going on. There was that good. There was that good um, stat. I think. I think it was actually. I, I can't remember who to credit it to. Uh, but it was like all the trade ups of the last however many years. Like fifty one percent of them have been the team trading up. Like the player they've selected has been better than the next player drafted at that specific position. So it's like it is just a coin flip that that's going to be worth it. So it's probably not. It's probably not worth it is, is what that means. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think. And I, and I agree with what you said about corner. I mean, I, I'm very interested to see uh, what kind of resources they invest in corner in this draft. Because, I mean, Patrick Sertan, every smart person is saying this guy was built to be in, be a press man corner in a man-heavy scheme. And, like, that's just not what you are. Now, again, you're going to be playing. Every team plays man coverage, a certain percentage of man coverage. But if that's not, like, your base, your foundation, I mean, their defense is built around playing a high percentage of man coverage. And unless Jonathan Gannon just totally strays from the background and the schemes that he's been in, that's not going to be the Eagles. So does that really make sense to trade up and give up resources and give up another bite at the apple to trade for a player like that. And I love Patrick Sertain. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think he's, he's fantastic. I think whatever team uh, gets him is going to be happy and he's going to be a really, you know, he's going to be a really good player, but just for this team at this stage, I don't see it. I mean, even like, uh, like for one of these wide receivers, I mean, do you really want to do that? It's deep at wide receiver. You're going to be able to get a very, a great wide receiver at 12 or even in the, in the second round. And so I don't see a position where I would say, you got to, you know, go up and go get that guy because you're confident that the upside is going to be so much greater than the guy you would get at 12. So, you know, I don't, they're always talking. We know that we know, we know that they're, uh, looking into every option as they should be, but that just to me, would be a little bit of a surprise when I look at the board and I say, all right, it would make sense to go up and trade for this guy. I mean, really the only person you know the only position it would really make sense to go up and do that for is a quarterback and we have a good sense that they don't love the quarterbacks because they yeah you don't move down from six if you if you love the you know the quarterbacks then you would just at least stay there until the draft plays out and see if one of those guys falls to you so uh i I don't uh totally see that now uh trading back uh, you know obviously it's something you should always be considering and looking into. Uh, I don't think you need to get too cute with it. I, I think if you stay at 12 and there's one of those players, wide receiver, cornerback, whatever, uh, plays a premium position who is high on your board. Uh, if you get a great offer, sure, go ahead and consider it. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it, you need blue chip talent on the roster. So I wouldn't be opposed to just sitting there and uh, taking one of those guys. So I'm, I'm going to slightly disagree with, with you on this. And I, I agree with the idea that, that you know, trading up does not always work, right? The Eagles traded up for for Dillard. If if they had traded up, say to thirteen in two thousand nineteen, and come away with Christian Wilkins, they would have given up more assets, and and not come away with the difference maker. Even though going into the draft, he clearly had that type of reputation. Mm, not uh, not in some circles. <laughs> not, all right, not in some circles. Uh, that being said, the sounds uh, the, like eighty five years old. Uh, the 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 argument that it's a deep draft at said position so you don't need to move up to get it 
that was the logic last year with Jalen Rager, right? You know, and and not to say Rager was a bad pick yet, but I think the yeah, but it could know, have been Justin Jefferson. No, yeah, I yeah, don't think yeah. that was the logic. No, but 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 what I'm saying is is take someone is is come out of the first round with someone you have strong organizational commitment to. So don't just trade up for the sake of it. But if there's a guy that you are absolutely convinced this is this is the best, and I'm not saying that to trade up for. Sertan or trade up for Waddle or trade up for Smith. But let's say at number six, you were considering Jamar Chase or you were considering Kyle Pitts. And that player is all of a sudden on the board at eight. Back to Pitts with you. (laughs) But, 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 but that player is on the board at eight with uh, Carolina and they're willing to move down. Or let's say even Detroit at seven, right? Um, And you can move up, give up a, a pick of value because that's what it would it, it would take, but you still have that first rounder next year. That would be enticing to me. Like if I'm I'm not saying trade up for for Waddle or Smith, but if if Chase were to fall and this is a guy who who was going to be your pick at six, uh, I would be aggressive there. I I would make sure you come out of this first round with someone you have conviction on because we talked about it in our last podcast after the, after the story we wrote last week, right? There's there's enough division in the building about this guy's the scouting staff's pick or this guy's Howie's pick or this guy's Jeffrey's pick. Like, come away with someone that there's strong conviction on in that building. 12 to 7, uh, the, the precedent there would be 2018. You're giving up, a, the Bills gave up a second and a future second mm-hmm. to go from 12 to 7. I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. I would rather take my chance. I'm not doing that because I feel so great about one of those players, uh, you know, that I'm so confident, even though uh, I'm sure with other picks, they're going to make the case that this was such a uncertain, uh, uncertain scouting period that mm-hmm. it was so hard. So, so no, that doesn't align with your philosophy. You're giving up, you know, the bills for that gave up two top 60 picks a 53 and a 56, uh, given the state of the roster. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I don't, I, I'm not going to have any degree of certainty on that player. Where I'm, where I'm willing to give up two second, two top sixty picks because I feel so good about. I think, yeah, the most, I think the most you you should be willing to give up in this scenario is one of the thirds. Um, okay, well, yeah, that clearly won't get you up to seven. So then, right? I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe that gets you to nine. Yeah. Okay. I, I was just saying hypothetically, and this probably wouldn't be enough. But say you have to give up your second to get up to seven. And the rationalization you yeah, say like is, is is we, pick, 37 is thirty seven thirty seven that's a no that's a that's an important pick for yeah, this for this for building this roster. No, so so I'm I'm not saying this is something I would do, but but you added a first round pick next year, okay? So it's essentially trading six and thirty seven. I say throw for, that out the window. Yeah, okay. I would you have the that. capital you have right now. You've okay, already made enough. that trade. This is what you have right now. So I don't like uh, and I I'm sure that's how it will get spawned if they do it. That well, if you know, if you look at it overall, but like at this point in time, this is the draft capital you have. What are you gonna 37 do? Thirty seven is is like a huge pick for the for them turning Agree. This, Agree. this roster around. I would not give that up. Okay. Fair enough. Last thing on last thing on twelve. How would you guys feel about uh, like a Rayshon Slater or an Alija Vera Tucker at twelve? Uh, not interested. Me neither. <laughs> that, that's usually Naya's response. <laughs> We're ordering food. You know, do you want? <laughs> not interested. Yeah, I'm not interested this? in that no. at all. Um, yeah, not like unless Stoutland, he's like Stoutland unless he's has an elite tackle. that he can that he can uh, you know work wonders with like mid and late round picks. It's not an immediate need. It's not even 
necessarily a huge long-term need. Obviously, like like Sewell, you can sell me on. This guy's like yes. he's yes. like a like a, a a potential you know perennial Pro Bowler. Uh, I I don't get that sense with Slater. It's like plug and play. You know, you don't worry about the position, but that's not like that's not what this team needs necessarily. And they've got like they've got guys like you, who who can be a functional offensive line. Um, you know, even even like they're like eight deep, I think, right now. So I don't know. I I think that would be a waste of resources too. Yeah, I I think if a if a offensive lineman falls to you who you have rated highly on your board and he's clearly the best person on your board like like a Sewell like you mentioned, then go ahead and take him. Otherwise, just chill. You know, like yeah. let's see. You you got a lot. You got young guys. Uh, none of them might be good. You've got old guys too, but like they're under contract, so they're not going right. anywhere. Um, and yeah, yeah so if third you, or fourth round, it's yeah, fun. if someone falls and you like them, go ahead and take them. But that is not like I would not want to reach, or it's got to be the you know I don't want to say the perfect guy, but yeah, Slater. You know, some people say all right, Pro Bowl guard, uh, good tackle, um, that that type of guy. I, I would just say no, you know, no, thank you. You don't need to force that pick. But to answer the question from before, I I do think one of the Alabama guys. Uh, will the two receivers or certain will will be there at twelve? So I I think the move from 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 six to twelve. I, I don't think the Eagles are going to need to push an offensive lineman or push an edge rusher. Uh, perhaps they do that because of the way we know they value those positions. But I think twelve is a sweet spot for the types of players we've been discussing. Yeah, I, I think agree. I, I think I I think they're in a like you know don't overthink it. Don't screw it up. And like, I don't want to say it's hard to make a bad pick, but like, if you just sit, like if they just do what Zach said, say sit at 12 and obviously you need a contingency plan in case all three of those guys are gone. But I, I think the most likely scenario one horn is one of those well, th- put in into the mix. Okay, fine. You, if you want to do right. that, fine. All right. If one of those guys is there at uh, 12, just sit there and take them. Wonderful. You don't need to have any more draft meetings. Yeah. Like that's fine. I'm not going to say it's definitely going to pan out that one of them is going to be a home run pick, but it's a fine process. It's perfectly justifiable. Don't overthink it and just go ahead and uh, and do that. Now I will say, um, and, and we'll talk to. Uh, sorry, are we still in the intro right now? We, we were yeah, we're going to get to I'm gonna, Marissa. Gonna don't cut this out. Okay. Uh, so so Marissa, I mean, sorry, Dane. We'll talk about uh, J.C. Horn, but I do get a little nervous at 12 when like you know, among the first two or three sentences of every scouting <laughs> right. report is grabby and handsy. So I'm not sure I'm willing to go there with you, uh, Bo and make yeah. sure and say he's one of the guys, but, um, you know, I don't, I I'm not sure that I love him like either. Him. I just, in terms of like sitting at 12, who's going to be worth taking at a position of value for them. I feel like he's the last guy. I really think it's going to come down to like, I think horn might be off the board too. I think it's going to come down to the Eagles are going to be on the board. Devonte Smith is there and they choose, mm-hmm whether they want to roll the dice with him or make everybody angry and do something different. Mm, that he's, would make people he's angry. He's so fascinating. Right? He, it, it would be it's, such he a is really, It is fascinating. I think you're right. And it's a good, it's a good segue because I think that'll be our, our first question for Dan Brugler. So why don't, we, uh, why don't we do that now? We will bring in the uh, draft guru himself, Dane Brugler. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Well, we are very, very pleased to be joined on Birds with Friends by the purveyor of the beast. 415 scouting reports. 600 sets of pro day results, over 262,000 words, which, of course, you can read all of if you go to theathletic.com. And not only that, I told this to Zach yesterday. I was watching running backs yesterday, and uh, I'm watching this guy, Khalil Herbert, and, and he's just jumping off what to me. Flex. Like, this is, my, wow. this is my new favorite guy. And I go to the Beast, and I find out uh, per Dane that uh, random fact – he has 12 fingers and 11 toes. And then I go to read about Puka Williams, who shared a backfield with Khalil Herbert. And Puka Williams missing toes on his right foot because of a lawnmower accident when he was a child. Ooh. So Dane, also the phalanges expert. Dane, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. I've, that, that ball security for Khalil Herbert, uh, it definitely shows with, with the, the extra extra fingers. <laughs> right. So, uh, And look, that, that's the, it's all relevant, right? I mean, that that's the kind of thing that uh, the goal of the, the draft guide is to, uh, if you've never heard of a player, never seen him before, uh, you, know, you read the report, read the background, strengths, weaknesses, all the analysis and all that. And just have a better idea of who he is. You can picture him in your mind, what he looks like and what he could uh, be for your football team. So uh, the feedback's been awesome on the guide so far. It's, it's, it's really been fun. And hopefully people have it by their side uh, throughout draft weekend. Yeah, also just like a, a wonderful resource to have as like your team is picking guys or adding undrafted free agents. You'll learn all about those guys uh, from Dane's Beast as we go on. So, so Dane, uh, you know, we want to we wanna make the most of our time with you here. So, so let's get into it. Um, obviously, the Eagles have uh, the 12th pick and the 37th pick right now, and it seems like uh, the guy who maybe Eagles fans are, are narrowing in on as a possibility at 12 is Devontae Smith, and I want to ask you a little bit about him. Uh, you know, how do you go about balancing the, you know, the, the lack of a history of someone with his size being super productive at the next level versus his history of production? Um, and just how good he was. What tell us about about how you have Devonte Smith rated, and, and what do you think he would be worth the twelfth overall pick? And, and you know, you talk to people around the league, and there are some that will say, "Yeah, we're just we're not going to spend a first round pick on an outlier," and, and that's what Devonte Smith is at six foot, one hundred seventy pounds. Hard to find body types like that at wide receiver in the NFL. These guys that have had uh, you know high level success, so. I, it, it makes it a tough conversation because, uh, you know, I think when you look at it, what he did at Alabama, three straight years, double digit starts. So it's not like he has an injury history that you're worried about, but uh, you know, it's, it, it's something that factors in. And when you're, when you have these wide receivers at the top with Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle, it's something like that. There's that body type could be the difference that maybe is the difference in how you rank these guys one, two, three. 
Uh, and that's why Dante Smith might be the third wide receiver drafted, even though he you know, was the Heisman winner and had this tremendous career, uh, especially this past year as a senior with almost 1900 yards and 23 touchdowns. It just, I mean, uncoverable. Um, there's so much to like about what he brings to the field though. Uh, the ball skills are as close to elite as you're going to get. Um, he's a gliding route runner where just, it, it, whether he's working back to the ball, whether he's creating his own separation uh, he can uncover uh, at will and it makes it look really, really easy. There's just very little wasted motion in what he's doing. And he has a plan to set up defensive backs. And it's not just he's out athleting everybody uh, with just speed and quickness. Uh, he's doing it with purpose and thought and just a know-how of the position. So really a, 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 an intriguing player. And I don't know where he's going to end up in terms of the, the pecking order of the Wide receivers, he very well could be the third receiver drafted, but some teams can end up with a really good player. He's a top 10 player in this class. Um, but again, we're kind of nitpicking these guys when they're closely rated like that. So for Devontae Smith, uh, could be the third receiver drafted, but a, a team's going to get a really good player. And if that ends up being Philly uh, at 12, uh, that, that could end up uh, absolutely being a steal. Yeah, a couple other guys, Dane, I wanted to ask you about with, with that uh, 12th pick, and it seems like wide receiver and corner seem like uh, obvious needs for mm -hmm. uh, the Eagles, the corners uh, available in that range. Patrick Sertan, uh, I've seen some compare him to Marlon Humphrey, and I, I wonder what you think about uh, that comparison. Marlon Humphrey, as listeners know, is one of my uh, favorite corners in the NFL. And the other guy uh, seems a little bit more polarizing, J.C. Horn. When I read stuff like Hansy and Grabby with a corner, uh, at the number 12 pick, that makes me uh, a little bit nervous. So what do you think about those two guys and those specific questions? Yeah, it's true with J.C. Horn. That's You worry about the, the aggressive uh, nature and just making too much contact. But, you know, you, you'd rather your corner be too aggressive and try to dial him back a little bit as opposed to uh, being too passive and then trying to get him to be more aggressive. So I, I think that's I think it should be viewed as more of a positive than a negative. But I mean, I, I, to, to your point, it is something that uh, is something he, there's going to be some bumpy uh, moments where he's he's the type of player that as soon as a play happens, he's looking for a flag. He's getting up. He's looking for the official. Uh, okay, no flag. Okay, we're good. We're good. You know, like that's just the type of player he is. And that's, Eagles have had plenty of those guys. That's how I watch football and, now. By the way, anytime there's a good, anytime there's a good play by a corner, yeah. I'm looking around for the same thing. Exactly. So uh, you know, in this past year, I think it was uh, what seven penalties in seven games this year, or uh, five penalties, five penalties in seven games this year. So you know, a guy that. It, it, that aggressive nature is going to be a factor, uh, both good and bad. But when you just watch him play, you see, I, the, I got flashbacks of a keep to lead. Mm. Uh, you know, he's a good sized player, 6'1, 205, uh, pretty good length, 33 inch arms, and just a really good athlete. Uh, I think he's best in a, you know, like a press man role where just let him. You know, mano a mano, just go uh, go to one-on-one uh, -on -one with a guy and let the best man win. And, you know, we saw him on film. That's, you know, the best part about the SEC. You can watch film of him going up against Kyle Pitts or some of these other really talented receivers and have some success and, and be a, a player that was making a difference out there. And one thing I really like about both these corners, Horn and Sertan, is uh, with J.C. Horn, you talk to the South Carolina coaches and they'll tell you, uh, the moment Horn showed up on campus uh, as a true freshman, he was a leader from day one. He was a guy that was part of the culture change. 
he was, uh, you know, at the forefront. Maybe he's not as brash as his dad, uh, you know, Jorhorn, you know, pulling a, a phone out of the sock after, you know, touchdown celebration. He, yeah, I want he'll that brashness. The, <laughs> he, he'll tell you he, he's not that brash when it comes to antics like that, but he is not afraid to speak up. He is not afraid to uh, be that leader and a guy that uh, you know, teammates look to uh, for guidance. And he, he was part of that culture change from the moment he stepped on the campus. Uh, Patrick Sertan, uh, you know, also has the bloodlines uh, with his dad being a three-time pro bowler at corner Patrick Sertan uh, also coached Patrick Sertan, the second uh, in high school at American heritage. Uh, but, you know, you, you talked uh, about the Alabama coaches and Patrick Sertan being a five-star guy, he goes to Tuscaloosa and he's starting from day one for Nick Saban. So both of these guys really have high, you know, high bar with who their dads were with being highly touted and they both lived up to it. They're both going to be first round picks. They both had really productive careers. Um, Sertan, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know if I really see the Marlon Humphrey comparison Marlon Humphrey to me is a little more, a little more physical, a little more combative. Um, Sertan, not that he's not, aggressive or physical or anything like that but he's more of the technically sound you know he's mm. more of the uh he just he trusts his technique so so much and it, it's he never panics there's zero panic in his game and it's really it's really fun to watch because he's been groomed for this moment for a long time uh you know growing up as the son of a pro bowl corner uh learning about the position at an early age really working hard to hone his craft and you see it there's just there's not any panic the game seems to slow down for him because he trusts his technique so well. Um, you, you wish he was a little twitchier. That, that's kind of the one issue I have with him. He ran faster than I thought uh, he would. I thought he was more of a you know four four seven a four five two guy, and he ran a four four one. But he also elected not to do the shuttle or the three cone. Uh, and usually that's you know, you know that's for a reason. Same thing with J.C. Horn. Did not do those two drills. Uh, so explosive route runners, uh, they're able to create these little pockets of separation versus Sertan. But it doesn't last very long. Those those you know little pockets have quick expiration days because Sertan trusts his technique. He's able to recover, be in position. Uh, in 41 career games uh, for the Tide, I think he gave up four touchdowns total. So a really productive player, SEC Defensive Player of the Year. There's a lot to like about both these guys. I think you look at uh, the Carolina Panthers at eight. They're going to be in the market for a, a corner possibly there. The Cowboys absolutely at pick number 10. Uh, the Giants, maybe we'll see that, you know, picking up a Dory Jackson, uh, you know, maybe they, they look at elsewhere at number 11. But then, yeah, the Eagles. And it's funny how the Eagles move back, what, six spots. And it's like all of a sudden all these other positions come into play. Uh, you know, when there was number six, it was like we're talking about Pitts or one of the receivers and, you know, maybe a quarterback really is just one of those pass catchers. And then now that at pick 12, it's like, okay, well, maybe this is where the first pass rusher could go. Maybe this is where we see the corners. Maybe this, you know, could they upgrade the offensive line? It's just you know, the, the range of options for the Eagles at 12 just seems so much more diverse compared to when they were picking at number six. Dane, you led me right to my question there. Uh, so I appreciate you you doing <laughs> that. The move from six to 12, even though the Eagles did not explicitly say this, it was interpreted as them doubling down essentially on, on Jalen Hurts, right? And so what I'm curious about is if Hertz was in this draft, where would he stack up among these quarterbacks? And do you think that the, let's say four quarterbacks would have been off the board at number six, that the Eagles wouldn't have had their pick or would it have made sense for the Eagles to wait until the draft to see if there was a quarterback on the board at six? 
Yeah, and I mean, all signs point to they're they're willing to give Jalen Hurts a shot and you know let him be the guy. So it, it just doesn't seem like they were really seriously considering quarterback, uh, regardless of where they were picking. And and maybe it was a case where they really liked uh, you know Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and uh, the other guys they they liked, but maybe didn't love as clear upgrades over Jalen Hurts and guys that they were really willing to bank on to be the guys uh, long term. So, uh, you know, once it became apparent that uh, Lawrence was going one and Wilson was going two, at least that's how we feel, uh, can feel confident about it. Um, that's when they made that move. And at, same thing with the Panthers sitting there at eight. Uh, just f- it felt like, okay, once it became clear, quarterbacks won two, Lawrence and Wilson. Eh, okay, let's, let's go get Sam Darnold. And, you know, you can't rule out quarterback at eight for Carolina, but still it seemed like they were ready to go to maybe a different option. And so with the Eagles – you know, Jalen Hurts is tough. It, it, it's I, I I was not super high on him last year. I know some you know, viewed him as a, a top 75 pick, top 80 pick. I wasn't quite there uh, just because I, I didn't see necessarily the upside. I, I, I like Jalen Hurts. I think he can start games in this league. But is he going to be a quarterback that's going to help you win the division? I'm just not confident uh, there. I can't I'm not I'm not there yet based on what we've seen. And so in, just in my quarterback grades, if he were in this class, he would be seventh uh, behind wow. the top five, Lawrence, Wilson, Lance, Fields, and, and Mac Jones. And then I would have Davis Mills uh, ahead of him as well, just because Davis Mills, I at least see a path where he could be uh, a long-term starter, ha- has that upside. Where Hurt, I think he can start in this league. I just don't necessarily see that high upside as being a guy that, you know, put the offense on his shoulders and, you know, let's go compete for the division. Uh, and maybe he'll prove me wrong. Hopefully he does. You know, I I, I think he's, you know, there, there's a f- few players that over the last few years that have, you know, had more respect for than Jalen Hurts with just the intangibles and the competitive toughness. And so he's just an awesome uh, person, character, uh, you know, along those lines. But um, I have not seen the high passing skills that would suggest he's going to be that long-term starter. But, you know, we'll have to see. It, this is going to be the year where he's going to get his opportunities. So uh, he could prove a lot of us wrong. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned pass rushers, Dane, and and I think that we would all say that like if Howie Roseman had his his druthers, right, uh, with a with a top twelve pick, even at six, he would have loved to add a a pass rusher there. That's the way he likes to build a team. But this draft doesn't necessarily set up super well for that. So you know, Quiddy Pay is the guy who was mentioned as uh, as possibly or, or probably the first edge to go. Um, do you think he'd be worth it at twelve? Is that good value? And then I also want to ask you about like these three like super projectable boomer bust pass rushers, Jalen Phillips, Jason Owe, and Gregory Russo. Uh, you have them ranked in that order. How do those guys compare in terms of like, who's got the highest upside, who's got the biggest bust potential. And, you know, would, would any of them, could any of them slide to 37 and, and would they be worth it there? Uh, yeah. Well, starting with Quiddy pay, I, I think uh, he's, he's an easy player to like six, two and a half, two sixty. Um, I, he's equally effective versus a run in the pass. Uh, there's a lot to like about just the natural twitch. Um, you know, the, the testing numbers were really, really good. Um, the production was un- underwhelming at Michigan, uh, 11 and a half sacks in his career, but it's the, the way they used him really was at a disadvantage. They didn't let him just pin his ears back and go. I mean, he was lined up head up over the tackle a lot and just taking on contact, setting a hard edge and, uh, being more reactive than proactive just by design of that defense. So I, I think that plays into, uh, you know, why the production wasn't, wasn't greater. Um, I think when he pays worth a first round pick, it's just, 
when you're picking 12th overall, I think you want to come away with someone that you feel is without a doubt, one of the 12 best players in yeah, the I don't draft. Want a run defender first at 12 overall. Right. And I don't, I just don't know that you can come away saying, okay, we got Quiddy pay at 12. He's one of the 12 best players in this draft. I, and, and I like Quiddy pay. It's just, that's a hard statement to make. Now, Honestly, and now Aziz Ajaleri, I could get a little bit more mm-hmm. on board with him uh, out of Georgia. Uh, he's my top pass rusher this year. I he doesn't look very big, 6'2", 250. But when you factor in, he has 34 and a half inch arms. He's got the length of a 6'5 player, but he has the advantage of being only 6'2". So that works to his advantage in terms of playing with leverage and you know helping him uh, you know get underneath uh, winning the corner. Um, but he's also instinctive. Um, he, he can play the run. Uh, as a 20 year old retro sophomore last year or this past year, he led the sec in sacks tackles for loss, forced fumbles. Um, so you don't only like who he is now, but factor in what you think he's going to be three years from now, easy to, you know, talk yourself into Aziz Ajilari. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. And, and I think when we look at the way the draft is set up here, uh, 11, 12, 13, that's maybe where we see some of these, you know, the pass rushers start to go. Uh, the Giants at 11. We know, uh, you know, Gettleman would love to draft a pass rusher there if he loves one of these guys. Uh, you know, you mentioned Howie, and, you know, it, it makes a ton of sense, um, you know, to draft a pass rusher at 12 if they like one high enough. And then uh, even with, with the Chargers, that's possible at 13. So that's maybe where we see the pass rusher start to go. But I don't, it, it just, it just feels a little bit early. Um, you know, this is not a draft where we have a Miles Garrett or a Chase Young or the Bosa's. You know, just, it, it's a, it's a pretty good class of pass rushers. It's just not very top heavy um, and really on defense at all. I mean, we might not see a defensive player drafted until, until pick 10, which would be the latest we've ever seen uh, in the Super Bowl era. 1999 was the latest we saw a defensive player drafted. That was Champ Bailey at pick number seven to Washington. Mm-hmm. So it, this is just a top heavy offensive class. And because of that, there'd be some, you know, de- pretty good defenders that get pushed down a little bit, which could work out. Uh, in, in favor of a team like the Eagles. Uh, you, you talked about those other three pass rushers, Jalen Phillips, Owe, and Rousseau. Uh, two Miami guys, um, you know, Jalen Phillips is a complicated evaluation off the field. On the field, I think it's pretty clear cut. I, he, he, you could argue, is the best pass rusher just based on tape in this draft. Um, six, five and a half, 260. He, there are flashes where you watch him and you see the Bosa's because he has a plan. He understands what he's doing uh, with, with every single movement, um, whether it's using a, you know, a powerful swipe or quickness or you know, a shoulder dip or just all these different moves that he can, can use. And, and there's a purpose to it all. He has a rush plan. Um, but the, you go back to his uh, background, three diagnosed concussions um, at UCLA. They basically said, hey, you got to retire. We, we can't clear you. He transfers to Miami and stayed healthy this past year, started 10 games, um, opted out of the bowl game. But uh, so it just comes down to the medicals and what the doctors say. If they give you two thumbs up and say, hey, we think he can, uh, you know, uh, stay healthy and, you know, play and you know, get a second contract, then, you know, maybe you're open to it. But it, that, that just really comes down to uh, the medicals. And that's where scouts, you know, that, that's kind of happening right now. Scouts are going to these meetings where you know they're they're crossing their fingers and toes hoping that the medical information that they're getting back is positive because if the doctor says you can't draft him he's off the board you're, you're, you can't even debate it that's just how it is so a lot it's of all air- about fingers and toes with you what's that it's all about fingers and toes with you uh, you're catching on exactly uh that's, that's my first question when i talk to each one of these prospects so all 10 both okay good uh it's all about the details so uh 
Greg Rousseau, his teammate, well, I actually never really played with him because Greg Rousseau opted out. Mm-hmm. He's one of these guys that, uh, you know, Jamar Chase, Penny Sewell, we didn't need to see them take another snap. Uh, they opted out. You know, they're still going to go top 10, top, uh, top seven. But Greg Rousseau was one of those guys that we really needed that ex- another year of development on tape to see him. He was a wide receiver and safety most of his life, moved to defensive line as a senior in high school. Missed his first year at Miami with an injury. And then last year, 2019, uh, second in FBS and sacks behind only Chase Young. But then he opted out this year. So we basically have one year of tape. Uh, projectable body, six six and a half, two 266 pounds. Uh, you know, really long player, pretty good get off. Not really a bendy player. That's not how he wins. Um, I wouldn't call him explosive either. But he's a guy that uh, can retrace his steps. He can, you know, with that length, he can get inside of blockers and really create movement. Uh, a lot of his production came when he reduced inside and was rushing over the A gap. And so that's a positive and a negative. I mean, if you're drafting a pass rusher in the first round, do you want a guy that is consistently going to be able to win around the edge um, and not have to be schemed in certain ways uh, to get into the backfield? Um, so Rousseau, to me, is more of a second round player, but I wouldn't be surprised if a team tries to. Uh, you know, looks at those traits and says, we'll, we'll use a first round pick on him. And then Jason Oway, he's he's one of the most intriguing players in this draft. He's the freakiest of the freaks, just in terms of natural ability. Uh, basketball player most of his life uh, came out and started football, playing football his sophomore or his junior year of high school. So still relatively young in football years, 6'5", 255 pounds, running a 4.37 in the 40. I mean, just ridiculous. And the number that stands out the most, though, is the zero sacks this past year. That's what people keep bringing up. But when you watch the film, throw on the Indiana tape, he's consistently in the backfield, consistently disrupting what the quarterback is doing. And at the end of the day, that's what pass rushing is all about. You have to disrupt the pocket, disrupt with the offense, uh, the rhythm and what, what they're trying to do. And it's not just about sacks. Sacks are great. I mean, that's that's obviously, uh, you know, you're tackling for loss. You're, uh, you know, that's the end of the play. But creating pressure is the name of the game. And that, that's what that, that's what pass rushers need to do first and foremost. And Owe can do that. So it's going to be fascinating to see where Owe ends up. I think he's too good to fall out of the first round. Uh, they're, they're just the traits, the upside are, are too great. But, you know, we'll have to see. This is a really interesting pass rush group. Stay, staying on defense, Dane, uh, off-ball linebacker, Eagles obviously going to be, be playing a, a 4-3. We think it's not going to be blitz-heavy. We think it's going to be zone-heavy. So I'm looking for the off-ball linebacker, maybe the Eagles version of Darius Leonard, uh, you know, or like a, a Fred Warner type. Who, who are some of the off-ball linebackers? And again, these don't have to be first-round guys, but just have right. great uh, instincts in zone coverage where you can just plug them in, no, no question there, uh, three down guys who would really fit that mold i mean are there guys in the second and third round who you could say all right these guys could really come in and play right away as the eagles implement a new scheme yeah i was, I was gonna say let's not even talk about the first round guys i think <laughs> we can feel good that they're not going linebacker at 12 uh so if jamin davis kentucky if he falls to the second round i think that would be a natural fit six three and a half six uh 234 pounds really good athlete only a one-year starter, but he was really good this past year at Kentucky. Uh, averaged over 10 uh, tackles per game. Uh, he showed up on special teams at three interceptions. One he brought back uh, for a touchdown against uh, Tennessee. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that it, you you point to and say, okay, that that translates well. I think he could be, uh, you know, that Zach Cunningham, that Darius Leonard type of do-everything linebacker. Um, I, and really it comes down to the way he reacts to play development. Um, I, I think that 
that that that's really his athleticism, the way he reacts. That that's what you're banking on. I, he needs to be a little bit better as a take on player. Um, you know, needs to get better in a few of these other little areas. But just his reaction quickness and the natural athleticism, really, really impressive. Um, I, I think that Jabril Cox out of LSU could maybe be, uh, you know, that that zone player, a guy that you really like in coverage. Uh, maybe the, the closest thing to a Fred Werner in this draft. Uh, North Dakota State transfer goes to the uh, – and, and you love uh, guys like this who uh, could have stayed at North Dakota State and, you know, still been a, a top 80 uh, type of prospect. And so when asked about, well, why'd you, why'd you transfer to, and he did this before, you know, COVID and everything. So it wasn't a reaction to the pandemic. Um, he, he, you ask him why he, he made the move up to the SEC when he you know, could have just stayed at and, you know, racked up the production at the FCS level. And he said, well, then I'm not getting better. I'm not challenging myself. I mean, he, he, he really is a smart individual and he's at his best where he's dropping in the coverage. He has that feel for zone where, uh, you know, he, he's going to choke those passing lanes and have an understanding of uh, route combinations and how things are playing out. So Cox is, is a really impressive player. He needs to get better with his run fits and, and some things downhill, but uh, in reverse, in space, uh, a really good player. And then I, one other linebacker worth mentioning, I think is Pete Werner from Ohio State, uh, probably more third or fourth round, uh, 6'3", 240 pounds. One of those guys that you just don't need to take him off the field. Could be a four-down player for you, play on special teams. Uh, you know, he's maybe not great in any one area, but he's pretty good across the board. Uh, a guy that doesn't make a ton of mental mistakes, good range, uh, can hold up in coverage. Uh, he, he, as a blitzer, he uh, he has some explosiveness, uh, explosiveness to him. So Pete Werner is a, one of those uh, linebackers that uh, might not shine in any particular area, but just well-rounded and easy guy to like. Now, uh, the last one for me here, part of what makes the Beast so valuable this year is that it's it's coming during a draft cycle where we don't have the standardized uh, measurements and, and, and testing results from the combine. You're dealing with players who at the, at the lower levels did not have seasons. At the higher levels, there were opt-outs. And it was, it was obviously a, a, an atypical year from an evaluation perspective. How does that affect the draft this year and then looking ahead you know the Eagles are are clearly trying to load up on picks for 2022 do you think there's going to be a noticeable difference in evaluations a year from now or is too much being made out of what's atypical in 2021 yeah it's a a fascinating topic uh there will be ripple effects to this um but that is really what I'm proud of most with the draft guide this year is all um, all the verified pro day data is in there. It's straight from an NFL team. So it is NFL verified pro day data for over 600 players. Um, all the measurements, everything is in there. And so I'm very proud of that, especially with no combine this year. Uh, this year is so it's everything's nothing's been normal about this year, obviously. And that that's, that has stayed true with the scouting process. Um, I, there was a stat where uh, only, it was like 650 players have signed with agents this year. Uh, normally it's like 1800. So it's just, we have a smaller pool of players. And so I think we're going to see several teams, uh, you know, smart forward thinking teams try to trade a fourth rounder this year for a third rounder next year, or, you know, just try to pile up on those 2022 picks. Um, But because a lot of teams are going to do that, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. So, uh, that that's going to be an interesting wrinkle to this draft, and then next year, it, with all these players going back to school, and 
getting that extra year of development, uh, an extra year of eligibility, next year's draft is going to be super loaded uh, and just with a, just the sheer volume of players. And the NFL is going to have to adjust somehow. Do, the, do you add an eighth round? What, what do you do to accommodate uh, you know, the exodus of players we'll have next year when we're missing really – uh, almost a thousand players in this draft that we would normally have guys that went back to school for another year of development. And I mean, not, not a ton of high level guys, but guys that, you know, once we get to day three, once we get to rounds five, six, seven are potentially draftable. So the ripple effect of this past year and that extra year of development uh, of eligibility is something that is going to reverberate uh, the next few years uh, in the NFL draft. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how the NFL reacts. Dane, you are a prince, and uh, you know it's clear that you've done your homework too because you dropped a pecking order uh, on Birds with Friends earlier. <laughs> I want to give you one last woodpecker you rather. You can answer this uh, very quickly. As we look at like pairings between first and second round picks, woodpecker you rather the have uh, Devontae Smith and Asante Samuel Jr. or J.C. Horn and Terrace Marshall from LSU? Uh, that's a good one. Um, I, I would go with the first scenario. I, I think you look at uh, Devonte Smith. Uh, you know, we talked about him at the, at the top. He's just such a quality football player. Um, and uh, you look at Asante Samuel, one of the best zone corners in this draft. And so, if we're gonna be running a lot of zone, um, feel comfortable with him there. Uh, the way he can see through receivers and, and play to the quarterback and react that quickness, that uh, ball reaction skills, the instincts. Uh, are really tremendous. And I like JC Horn a lot. I think he's, uh, you know, in the top 15 picks, he's absolutely worth uh, a spot there. Uh, Terrace Marshall, I like maybe not as much uh, in the second round range. Um, you know, he, he's a good player. There, there's a lot to like about the raw traits with the size and speed still has some, some room to grow, but uh, I'm taking that first scenario and feeling really good about it. Okay, we will take that. Well, Dan, you have been uh, very gracious and generous with your time. Everybody should follow him. Dane on Twitter and read the beast and everything else he's got coming for draft coverage next week. We thank you for, for joining us, Dane. Anytime. Thanks guys. Thanks Dane. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this, a family watching baseball on direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right. Thanks again uh, to Dane Brugler for joining us on Birds with Friends for his annual uh, visit. What'd you guys, uh, what you guys? What popped out to you from from what we heard from Dane? Who, who I mean, boy, can he just fill it up? <laughs> well, the Devonte Smith discussion is so interesting, and we, and and we were talking about it before. The idea of an outlier, right? Uh, because when you just watch him play and you just see the production, it's it's hard not to come away. With the with the term she often says, don't overthink it. Like he's he's such a good player, but then when you look at at the at the data relative to players at that size historically, it's it's absolutely correct that this is an outlier. So so can you spend the number twelve overall pick on an outlier, or do you want more of of the the historical evidence? Um, I, I, I tend to lean toward the don't overthink it part of it, right? Trust your eyes, like, like trust what you see, but the, the data cannot be ignored in that regard. 
I agree with that. Yeah, no, you, you definitely have to. I think it's smart to look at historical comps and say, has a person with these measurables, you know, been successful type of thing? Uh, I'm just in on him. I mean, I, I think there's a there's a trait that he has that like he he. You can tell he's always had to know how to play at that size, if that makes sense. You know, he knows how mm-hmm. to get down and avoid big hits and when to go for it and when not to go for it. And there's like a competitiveness and a toughness. Like I wrote an hour right up on The Athletic that I saw a little bit of like an Allen Iverson mentality with him where it's like the smaller mm, guy. Just like Jordan Howard. But but not like the not not like the. Cutesy. I understand that reference, Bill. Yeah, I I, I don't. And I, I'm thankful I don't. Let's please not. Uh, you know, it's it's not like the cutesy small guy that oh wow, you know that that's that's so cute. The guy smaller than everybody is playing great. It's like it's it's like the small guy who is out there to like uh, eat your lunch. You know, mm-hmm. like like nothing he does is uh, surprising to him when he's just like shredding these SEC corners and just performing as the best player in all of college football. Like when he makes these plays, you can just tell he's like, all right, that that's, you know, I knew I was going to do that type thing. And so it's not like an arrogance, but I don't really know how to describe it. And I don't know if I described it well, but it it reminded me a little bit of just sort of like the way Iverson uh, carried himself and just everything you read about him is, I think I said this last time, but like whatever his uh, max level is, I feel good that he's going to reach that now. You can have conversations on what that is and um, the size and, you know, whether there would be injury risks in the NFL and those things. But I just feel I I like taking a guy in the first round where I'm not like, all right, we're going to have to sort of, um, you know, coax something out of him. It's like whatever his uh, 99th percentile version of Devontae Smith is, I feel good that you're going to get that guy. And, um, you know, I I think Eagles fans uh, should be and would be thrilled if he was just if they just sat there at 12 and took him. The Eagles um, tweeted something yesterday, which was like a quote from Jordan Howard about how much he looked up to Allen Iverson, and he tries to like he tries to like play the game like Allen Iverson, and it's just so funny because like I can't think of anybody like uh, any cross sport comparison in which like the players' styles are more dissimilar. Then Jordan Howard and Allen, like, what would Jordan Howard be if he didn't have Iverson's flair? He's all he does is run straight forward. He doesn't he he's doesn't juke anybody. He's 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 more Tyrone Hill than Allen Iverson. It's <laughs> oh very my funny. Gosh, wow. The uh, the Devonte Smith thing is like, it's hard uh, for all the reasons you just said. She like I watch him and he's awesome. Like all those things about knowing his body. Like you know I I I want this guy on my team. But like the historical precedent, like. You know, the size is not great. He's, uh, you know, in these wide receiver buckets that I do every year, he's in the worst bucket, which is uh, productive and fast, but didn't leave early. Not so young. There have been 15 guys who fit that uh, mold over the past, I think, 11 years it is, who were drafted in the first two rounds. And only one of them, Torrey Smith, has had a 1,000-yard season. Uh, The rest of them have all been busts. Anthony Miller, Ryan Broyles, Corey Davis, I guess you could argue, John Ross, Corey Coleman, Justin Blackman, Zay Jones, Sterling Shepard, he's okay, Kevin White, Jordan Matthews, Tavon Austin, Michael Floyd, A.J. Jenkins, Titus Young. Now, it's a little bit different because Devontae Smith, like, he had a 1,000-yard season as a junior. He could have left last year. Yes. He didn't. He came back and was, like, the most productive receiver in, like, NCAA history. So... Uh, like that's what you would want to see for a guy returning. So it's, he doesn't like perfectly fit in here, but 
Like you're you're betting against a lot, but I think given the options, if he's on the board at twelve, I think I pull the trigger. Dane put it well. Like some teams will just have a hard time taking an exception with such a premium pick because or or taking an and I think he used outlier taking an an outlier with a premium pick and that's you guys have 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 laid it out well and and those buckets should not be ignored and Bo is is correct that if Devonte Smith was in the draft last year he's he's not in that bucket nonetheless he's in the draft this year and it's something you absolutely must consider I would also say when you just look at like the the players available in this range and maybe it's the type of draft class that it is and what Dane was talking about but like there are you know there aren't a lot of clean sort of I agree. Uh, to use draft parlay and check check every box type of prospects you know like JC Horton we talked about um grabby positional value all, you know off ball linebacker interior offensive lineman are you going to take those positions at the uh 12th pick defensive end it's a year where like you know typically i think it would be a great spot to get a, a defensive end with a high ceiling um and a lot of great traits, but this is not uh, that kind of year, you know, so I'm going through like some of these other uh, positions, you know, defensive tackle, it's, it's a terrible sort of defensive tackle class. Yeah. So like a lot of these guys, I mean, I don't see a guy as I'm just looking at my spreadsheet here where I say, all right, this guy uh, checks every box and, you know, it maybe isn't an outlier from a measurable standpoint, but still has questions that you would need to address before feeling comfortable taking him at that spot. And right. that's why Sertain jumps out to me because, yeah. you know, I, I, I know people have, have fallen for the Alabama defensive players before because they have the reputation of being so well-polished by the time they come into the NFL. Uh, but she'll mention Marlon Humphrey in, in the call with, with Dane. And just like from Sertain's first year at Alabama, this is who he's been, right? He, he's been a top cornerback from, from day one. Like checks every box you could possibly want in terms of uh, the production, the measurables. Um, you know he has the bloodlines. If they, if that's something you pay attention to, uh, it just it, so yeah, I I I think he's a clean prospect for them at, at number twelve. Yeah, I I keep I coming back to what what you said, Sheila, and that like just the the positional makeup of this draft is is so uh, like unfortunate for the way the Eagles want to build a team. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what they come out with. And that, uh, that leads us into the annual duck, duck juice draft in which the three of us will draft the 12 positions, quarterback, running back, tight end, wide receiver, tackle, interior offensive line, defensive end, defensive tackle, linebacker, corner, safety, and specialists in, uh, order of the likelihood we think the Eagles will draft these positions. And it goes, uh, seven points for a first round pick, six points for a second round pick, five points for a third round pick, and all the way on down the line. Zach, you entered in your maiden voyage to the Duck Duck Juice draft last year with a victory. So as the defending champion, you get to pick where you would like to draft in the order. Would you like to go first, second, or third? And of course, it will uh, snake back and forth. First. Oh, really confident. Wants to go first. Sheila, yes. I will give you the choice of uh, second or third. 
Well, as I'm doing this now, you know, th- big heads, great heads up, Zach from Bo on the, you know, the rules of this. And, <laughs> what are you uh, talking about? I sent you guys hour, this before. An hour before, you know. Oh, like, come we're on. Not doing anything uh, for the podcast. Well, listen, I have to get my excuses in before we uh, we start. <laughs> this one, uh, I felt like I actually like did did go out of my way to give you guys a heads up. Uh, well, maybe for your standards. All right, I will go. Uh, I will go second. Okay, uh, Zach. Let's hear what yeah. you got. So the reason I, I was confident in saying I, I wanted to go first is because I can't see them going out of the first two rounds without this position. So I, I know at a minimum I'll get six points with this pick. Wow. Uh, and, and, what a and, flex. The, and that is cornerback, right? Uh, oh, baby. wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> corner, not, not quarter, corner. Mm. Uh, I got you. Okay. Got you. All right. <laughs> I'm 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 interested in that being your reaction. I I think that like like they they don't look at their roster right now. Um, they're some of us like Michael Jaquette a little bit more than you do. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, this is a position that it's a short term need and a long term need, right? Their top cornerbacks entering his age thirty season. Uh, Avante Maddox might be better in the, in, in the slot. They they haven't taken a cornerback uh, this high since um, Sidney Jones. Uh, in 2017, so that's actually not that long ago. But it's it's a position that uh, I I feel they badly need to address. It's a it's considered a good cornerback class, and so I think first or second round will be fertile spot to take a corner. I am going corner with my number one pick. Mm. Bo, was that was that the number one position on your board? So it was, but I don't. F- okay. I'm actually glad that I didn't have the first pick because I don't feel that great about it. Because for the reasons we talked about, I'm not sure it's worth the 12th overall pick, and I'm also not sure it's worth 37. And and there's also there seems to be like a, a bit of a gap in this group between like the first four guys and then the next group of like second third rounders who may not be worth 37. So I I could see them waiting until until the third round for a corner here. I don't think that's crazy. Uh, I don't think it's crazy either. Uh, I did have it, you know. I, I do think it was a two-player draft here, and I'll go with mm. the uh, with the other position, and that's wide receiver uh, with my uh, with the second overall pick. Uh, you know, as as Bo's uh, buddy says, it's a numbers game. Did I do that well, Bo? That was pretty good. Okay, the numbers uh, game. And I think that uh, wide receiver. I believe gets drafted more than any other position. Uh, mm-hmm. That could be wrong. I think cornerback is right there. You know, one of them's one, one of them's two. But uh, you know, obviously a position of need. Deep, you could certainly get some. Sorry, I wasn't listening to the rules. I get points, right? If it's day three picks. Yeah, it's 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 a reverse order. So a, a sixth okay. round pick is worth two points. A seventh round pick is worth one point. You know. So okay. the first round pick's most valuable. Correct. Yeah, I okay. I think I would say I think they're more they're more likely to draft a wide receiver than a corner with one of their first two picks. Interesting. I, I disagree. But okay. All could right. Be- well, I actually I think wide receiver is interesting because I think they don't need to they don't need like help at the bottom of the wide receiver depth chart. They've got plenty of guys who can compete for realistically like to be the fourth or fifth receiver you know like i don't think you need to necessarily use a fourth round pick on an improvement over like you know quez watkins for instance but they need help at the top of the depth chart so i think it is a like i think they they draft a a wide receiver in the first or second round but if not i'm not so sure they draft one in the third or fourth round 
Okay, but you're, you're 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 not. I think it's the I think it's the right pick here for you. I'm just. I remember Howie Roseman uh, saying last year that uh, you know these guys that you get in the sixth and seventh round, you know these are guys in a typical year. Boy, these are third or fourth round picks. Mm. So you know, I, I think you maybe you overvalue what uh, what the evaluators know about the upside of certain players. You know, there could be a, a guy fair. with injury history or, you know, some other reason why he lasts until day three, who then all of a sudden uh, ends up being your uh, best wide receiver. Well, that's also sort of, that's that's also sort of the, like uh, what I would, if they're going to take a guy, I would want it to be a guy with, you know, like high upside that he may not hit, but like there's, there's a nice 95th percentile outcome as a starter versus like a, you know, like a Mac Hollins who's just coming in to sort of help on special teams and contribute. And now to both your guys' points, uh, this is considered a a particularly deep class for slot receivers, right? Even at the top, like like, uh, uh, Shield mentioned Rondell Moore, and and Elijah Moore is another guy who will jump out when you watch. Um, You know, there's a lot of those smaller guys who who you can see fitting in in the slot. And, and, And so the question is, is that position worth a top 37 pick? Or is is that a position you you uh, wait on? Like, are you only taking a wide receiver in your first two picks if this is a guy who can play on the outside for you? I think probably, maybe I think you would want that. Just well, kind kind of because what you said, what you just said, Zach. I mean, if you can get a uh, slot receiver later, or there are more of those guys, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I would be spending a premium pick. On a, on a slant guy, obviously somebody with versatility who can play the slot is fine, but even Rager is a guy who knows. He could be your slot receiver uh, this year. Now, what years was Jonathan Gannon the uh, – how many years was he the Colts DC? He was, he, uh, he was the D-backs years, coach. Right? For, for, yeah, the D-backs right. coach for three years. Yep. Three okay. years, right? He went over with well, Reich? Yes, correct. Yeah, so I mean I don't know if this tells us anything or not. Again, we, sh- we should clarify that we'll find out what his scheme is, but the Colts – spent uh it looks like one pick no yeah one pick in the top four rounds in three years on cornerback and that was rocky sin in uh 2019 again I, you know i don't think that that really uh, mm-hmm. means anything they had kenny moore in the slot they did go the veteran route with xavier xavier rhodes uh last offseason but uh only because i had that page brought up all right Bo, who do you but, got but, wait, but the flip side of that by the way is is that if he's if if he's pulling from this Vikings tree, which is something that they've clearly done, uh, you're right. Not they, during they, his time there, but the Vikings tons of corners. You're right. I- exactly between Jeff Gladney, who obviously didn't work out, uh, Mike Hughes, uh, not your you know, not your Hughes. Yeah, Mackenzie Alexander, not our Hughes, but Mike was Hughes. a second round pick. Um, Trey Waynes. So yeah, that's a position that that they've prioritized in the in the draft over the past five six. Well, years. yeah, that that is true and fair. I would say say there needs to be like a Mike Zimmer adjustment there because I mean, <laughs> like uh, I mean, this is also a team that's paying two defensive tackles. Uh, I think nineteen million dollars. Who uh, you know? So are, are the not, Eagles? Sounds like the gonna, Eagles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who are not going to rush the passer? I was going to say though. Okay. I mean the 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 Vikings, and so I think he's got a lot of sway about. I don't think he cares much about what the offense looks like. And as we uh, wrote with our piece uh, from the top down, that is not the case with the Eagles. Okay, Bo. All right, first pick I feel very good about, um, and that will be defensive end. Um, I think there's a chance they go defensive end at in the first round. And I think they will almost certainly add a defensive end in the first three rounds, um, given that, you know, Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat are both entering their final years of their deal. 
Brandon Graham needs to be replaced at some point. So I, I feel good about that one. Who's the defensive end most likely if they if they take one in the first round? I mean, I guess it's pay, right? But that is so uninspiring. Like, here are the thing here are the things that I never want to hear about a draft prospect you're selling me on. A defensive end who is good against the run, like that's fine on day three. That's not what I'm using a, a premium pick on. Definitely a defensive end who's good in space. Don't care. Uh, a tight end who can block. Don't care. That's what the coaching is for. Yeah, a running back who can block. Don't care. Uh, what else is there? There's a couple other things I can think of. I don't but. know that I'm, a, I'm as low on uh, pay as you are. I, I would agree. It would feel like you're not s- sort of swinging for the fences. But I, I don't like. I don't think he's somebody who's coming off the field on third down. I, you know, I think there is some uh, pass rush upside there. I, I do like the idea of a guy who can swing inside and give you pass rush from the interior. I think those guys are, are tough to find if he can do that. I think in, that uh, is actually like that's the template that the Eagles probably they want in, in terms of like a Brandon Graham replacement. Right. Uh, yeah. I think that's Could what they want. I like like player? you know Carlos Basham in the second round potentially who can do that. Oh, that's um, a Wake Forest bias. Of it's course. A- well, I think Gregory. Well, you know, Rousseau could potentially do that as well. Although that's more of a of a projection. Um, I think that's what they would like. I think they would like to add a guy who can who can add to the rotation on the outside and also be an interior pass rusher on on third down. Okay. Yeah, I I think you you gotta draft the players on the board. Like you can't just take a position because it's a positional priority. I I'm I'm I have the same way of thinking. Like I want an edge rusher. If I if if I had my druthers to use the word that Bo used earlier, but you can't force it in like that. I think this is a good edge class in like rounds two and three though. Yes, yeah, I agree. I I agree, and I I I think like Jalen Phillips is a guy who who if if everything away from the actual production was clean, yeah, then that's, that's something you can absolutely talk about. But this is the opposite of being a, a concussion uncle, right? Like <laughs> that's something where you're very worried about the possibility of concussions going forward. He's a, he's concussion I mean, you child. would have to be nuts yeah. to spend a top 50 yeah. pick on Jalen Phillips. Am I crazy here? Well, I don't know about, I don't, I don't know if he's there at 37. I like, yeah, 37. I guess if he falls to 37, well. he's fallen that far for a reason. And you probably don't take him. Um, but like, Reed, if you're a team with like two first round picks and you are at like 27 or something, I think that's fine. Three diagnosed concussions, a wrist issue uh, that that had him take a year off from UCLA before transferring. This is I mean, from the I'm beast. not taking him. He retired UCLA, basically. Yeah. UCLA yeah. doctors advised him to retire and wouldn't clear him to play. Well, of I course, mean, am the I biggest taking red crazy flag. pills here? You're going to take a top fifty pick on some. I mean, I hope he. I hope he does great. I hope he stays healthy. I understand the ceiling there, but my gosh, you can't spend a t- you can't spend a pick in the first two rounds on somebody mm. with that kind of risk when you what have about, a roster that the Eagles but that's, have. This is the that's conversation we were. This is the conversation in. This is the conversation in the draft room about DK Metcalf, obviously not with concussion. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, did I jump yeah. on your... No, 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 no. Go ahead. No, yeah. no. Uh, you're right. Yeah. Uh, this is the conversation, right? And and then two years later, you say, how did you pass on, on DK Metcalf? Well, your your doctors, from from what we understand, that, that, was, uh, th- uh, that was the concern. And the Eagles weren't the only ones in there. So... Uh, that that's the conversation is is that if if you think the guy has every tool right and the only concern is the medical red flag then maybe not at 12 but at at, at 37 or even if you trade back a few spots from 37 
the flip side is, you know, they, they took Sidney Jones in the second round and, um, that didn't pan out either. So there are examples for and against both sides of the medical red flag question. Yeah. To me, there are, you're right. Uh, to me, there are medical questions and then there are three concussions. Doctors advised him to retire like red flags. Well, and of course you left off the biggest red flag shield. Uh, chose to play for Chip Kelly. Oh, well, I thought you were going to say like, there's something in there about how he might be more interested in rapping and music than football, which to me, (laughs) that kind of counteracts the concussion thing where I would want to take, I would actually want to take him for uh, something like that, but I I don't know that they uh, even out that well there. All right. Now this next one is tough. Uh, There's, I could go, I could go like four different ways here. So I feel like, uh, Zach's going to get some good value at the back end of, uh, of round two here, but I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for a base hit here, a position. I think that I know that they will draft at some point, you know, it might not be till round five, but I think, I think round two and round three with those two third round picks, I think they might add one here, uh, a position they need, even though they just signed Eric Wilson, I will take linebacker. I think that's a good pick. That's what I was going to take. Okay. Linebacker. All right. It's tough for me now. Let's, let's I mean, they, see here. they could, they could like, they're in a position now where they don't need to take a linebacker necessarily. They could take one, you know, in the fifth or sixth round. But I think, I think, you know, given the defense we think they're going to run, I think it would be, it would be a nice gift to Jonathan Gannon to give him like a, a, a playable. Yeah. So, uh, three down so the linebacker. quick, uh, so the, the, the minute and a half, the 90 second discussion about linebacker, we've discussed in the past how the Eagles, are a big like market correction team, right? Do they go the opposite mm. of last year's? Like last year, they basically just said like, "Give me the raw tools, right?" And and mm. and, and then we'll try to coach them up. Do they go the opposite end oh, here? The do rabbit they, ear opposite. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Do they go with the guy who like doesn't have any of the measurables, but uh, or I shouldn't say any of, but the the guy who who does not jump off the page athletically. But when you watch the film, or you can tell that he knows ball and loves ball. Yeah, like like this is a guy who can step in, uh, almost what T.J. Edwards was in in two thousand and nineteen. Well, that would be nice round pick right? on T.J. Edwards. <laughs> no, but 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 my point being, like I like a Nick Bolton. You guys, you guys, have you guys seen him? Yeah, you like yeah, a I Nick did. Bolton. I like a Nick Bolton. Okay. Yeah. That's all. Now, now that he's he's your five eleven, right? You know, so. He doesn't have the height, but uh, yeah, I, I mean there are 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 players like that, like uh, Monty Rice, who is a, uh, he was he was more productive than. Um, what than, I like about him is he, you know, you can tell he does well in hot water. Oh, because he's thought, Rice. <laughs> okay, I thought Dane had a good uh, call there with uh, you know Jamin Davis has a potential. Mm. Yes. Uh, day two pick, I, I think it would be somebody who would fit what they're looking for. Uh, in the linebacker, but yeah, we don't know. We don't. We don't know what um, if their positional value stuff is going to change with the uh, with the new regime. All right, I'm up here. You're up. Yep. Whew, this is tough. It's yeah. Uh, it, it gets very tough very quickly here. I I did think linebacker was. I was hoping you were going to go in a different direction. I feel like I'm historically terrible at this game, Bo. Is that right? What, what you have never won the game, last yes. Year? I've uh, never actually, won I the think game. Actually, I think you were third last year, but you could have been okay. second. Uh, right. But I won every one before that. Uh, well, wow, what no a flex there. Okay. Yeah, kidding, well, of course. I think we're, we're reaching the one-year anniversary on my all-time Eagle uh, victory, which was very uh, rewarding and gratifying. Okay. Yeah, good job. How's your, how's your Carson Wentz <laughs> at quarterback? 
<laughs> Listen, that has not aged well. No. What do you wingo? You gotta you gotta judge it based on the information you have available at the time. I feel uh, I feel fun. and you gave me Andy Reid, so I would have been fine. That's with true. He, That's he, true. Yeah, he would he would have coached him up. Uh, I'm debating a couple things here. Do I want to go with upside? All right, I don't like this pick, but I'm gonna go with it. Uh, I'm gonna go with safety. Uh, Ooh, okay. Like say, yeah. It's uh. That's a long-term need, right? Who who are there? A huge the, long-term need. Yeah, yeah. Uh, long-term. Need I actually there. think, like you know, again back to the Druthers. Like if Howie could pick, uh, like design a prospect at twelve, I think he'd probably rather have a safety than a corner. But there's not a safety worth taking at what twelve. What do you mean? What does that mean? Really? Like I think I, I think they might value that position more in this defense. Oh, hmm. interesting. It's also like a, I don't know. I think you could make a case that in today's in today's NFL, like a premium safety makes more of a difference than a premium corner. What do you think about a Trevon Morig from TCU? I haven't done all my work on the safeties yet, so I can't. Okay. Uh, I can't give you a leave it to the Eagles to take a TCU opinion. guy. Yeah, that's true. You should. Nobody yeah, what, watches what, what, more TCU. What, 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 what was what was the what was so impressive uh, about Morig? He played with is, a terrible quarterback. <laughs> he played with a terrible quarterback. That's right. Yeah, which made his job so much harder. He was on the field more. <laughs> Every time they, you know, they're in zone and that corner would just bail and, uh, you know, not, not carry the route deep. And oh, you're saying cornerback. I got it. Oh, that's yeah, good. I was saying corner. Yeah, oh, sorry. that's good. I was, I was just really going right extend. back to the quarterback. Uh, so so Morig, uh, 20, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I know Dane has the pronunciations in there, so I should get it right. Um, 28 passes defended and seven interceptions in three seasons. So very good ball production, a uh, special teams MVP as a freshman, which is something that Bo, I know will not care about at all. But you know, if you want to look at somebody who contributed right away, could be a big nickel or play deep. Uh, I don't know who someone compared him to a John Johnson type, uh, which is good. Um, uh, Greg Cosell, I believe compared him to a Justin Simmons, who is a, uh, fantastic safety for the Denver Broncos. Uh, captain productive uh experience so you know i don't know if he's a clean player or not because the only knock on him is the thing i think i care about the least and that's uh, not great against the run so mm. um i thought he was an interesting how do you feel player. about a richie grant at 37 i haven't i haven't uh, done my okay. notes on a richie grant yet i think dane does dane love a richie grant dane's got uh, richie grant as his top safety ahead of okay, morrick at number so. two I like Andre Cisco, but that's that's a little Syracuse that's bias there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, if you guys want to know what 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 Christmas Day plays is, plays a two three zone. If if you guys want to know what Christmas Day is at the Novacare Complex this year, it's going to be October twenty third because that's when TCU plays West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Wow, what a pull! Have you just been saving that for the yeah. right time? How long have you been holding that one on? You're like, well, all right, ninety minutes into this terrible podcast that we do. I'm gonna freak out. Well, I, I I had a similar line back. I I did a story the day of the national championship game this year about uh when about why the Eagles don't pick Alabama or Ohio State guys, right? And so uh, I had a line in there about the TCU West Virginia game. So I, I have been nice. sitting on that one. Okay. Um. So right, I am. Up, I'm I'm up here, and this is the challenge for me here because uh, if I stay true to my board, there's a position here that I have. Um, but it's a, I'm going to go with it. My concern is this Dane Brugler did his outstanding seven round mock draft last week. And the Eagles who have an elite high 11 picks did not take a player at this position. Uh, and that is defensive tackle. Mm. And it is a, it's the next one on my board too. 
it's a weak defensive tackle class. That is the concern. That being said, the Eagles have not taken a defensive tackle before the sixth round, or before yeah, before the sixth round since Benny Logan in 2013. Uh, they have Fletcher Cox entering his age 30 season. Uh, they they have Javon Hargrave obviously, but behind that it's 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 weak. They signed Hassan Ridgeway. They have they Rick need Williams depth. coming back. They need they, depth. At they need attack. depth at this spot. So again, you you can't force the board, but I gotta think at some point you'll find a defensive tackle. Give me Milton so, Williams in round three. I, what do you think? Yeah, I, I like okay. Nixon. I I I I hope mm. I'm pronouncing correctly. Davion Nixon um, from Iowa. Like it, when you watched Iowa, he he jumped out to you. Uh, so, but I don't know if that would require your round two pick or for or if he'll be there round three. What about uh, what about Christian Barmore as a sleeper? Like oh, if they trade back yeah. a few spots, I think that's that not. Guy. I don't think that's Philly not guy. Crazy. Philly guy. Philly, Philly zone. Yeah. Uh, six five three ten. One year as a starter at Alabama, but had eight sacks, three forced fumbles, uh, high upside guy. Um, you you know, move, you've you moved back to like 17, 18. I think that's okay. Yeah, I don't think that's a – I don't know. That would be kind of interesting to me. Was absolutely dominant in the national championship game. Like dominant. There you go. Okay, there you Zach, go. You, have, you get to make another pick. I think, that's a good, I think that's a good pick. So then I will go with running back here. I believe, Ooh, yeah. interesting. I believe because I, 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 I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to blank. You know, I, I don't want zero. I think they're going to come out of this with a running back. I think they're not, right. they're not going to enter the year with Jordan Howard as the number two running back. I don't think, oh, uh, or Jordan, yeah. Jordan, if you're listening, you know, I like you actually played well for the Eagles when yeah. you were on their team. So, you know, this is well, bashing last Jordan year. Howard. Um, so oh, I, I, I mean, you really think I remembered he was on the team last year? <laughs> He had that. He had the memorable game against Green Bay, mm. um, and so uh, this this might be one where I don't get a lot of points because they they wait until the sixth round, they wait until the seventh round. But I do think they're going to draft a running back at some point here, and I have a little flexibility if 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 they if there's one that pops in round four, then uh, I could get a few points. the The running back who I like would be Chuba Hubbard. From Oklahoma Chuba. State, is it Chuba? Hubba, is it Chuba? <laughs> okay, um, a track athlete from from Canada, and was outstanding two years ago. <laughs> I love that. That's what you like. <laughs> your, what's that? Your first line. <laughs> it's like it's like. What do you look for in running back? <laughs> what? Track athlete from Canada. <laughs> I'm saying that. What kind of running back do you like? I like someone who breaks tackles. Now I like more of a home run hitter. I always said if you can find a track athlete. <laughs> um, back in 2019, like this guy was, I think he, he led the country in, in, in rushing that year. Uh, was unanimous All-American. Uh, was a weird year last year. Was Was battling some injuries. But... 18 and 19. I mean, he, he, I believe he was over six yards per carry both those years. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, give me Hubbard. It, 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 How about it Donovan Bailey? You like him? Don, uh, <laughs> ben Johnson? <laughs> I don't think. Are they not? Oh, is this like. Uh, okay, okay, these are our former Canadian. All right. I, you had me worried there. I, 
And that was 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 one of those like stump the truck things that they do with uh, Mike Mayock, where <laughs> you thought trying Donovan to... Bailey was like an FCS guy or something. I got I got, I got really sleeper. worried. I I got really worried. I'm like, is there a guy that I should know about that's not in this draft? And then and then I realized what you were doing. Okay, now remind. I like me, uh, do... by, by by the way, my guy Khalil Herbert, the Virginia Tech yeah. running back. Yeah. His nickname is Juice. Okay. Now he's old. If my memory serves me correct, oh yeah, but well, th- if there's one position I don't care about age, it's running okay. back. Because uh, he was like a fifth year senior. Uh, who yeah, he's He transferred into Virginia Tech. I'm okay, okay. with that. The other guy okay. I like, uh, day three, Elijah Mitchell. I like him too. So those are those are my running back takes. What were we gonna say? Remind, remind me on the offensive lineman. What's the uh, you know we have it split up here: offensive it's, tackle and interior offensive lineman. So how do we do that? It's it's tough. Like if it's going to be an Elijah Vera Tucker, for instance, I think we got to go with the way that you know they they talk about him in the post game or in the in the press conference. Um, like oh, there I is, think we had this question last year, didn't we? Say like where they and if there's if they if they're vague about it, it's where they line up during the spring. Did we say? Oh yeah, and we'll re and we'll re uh, we'll judge it at a later date. I think we said because you know there's a chance yeah. that they draft somebody and then you know um, how we like a Driscoll it, was a little bit of a in between last year. Actually, I think what happened last year was somebody got some somebody had both, so it didn't it didn't matter. Mm, um, but I don't think right. that's going to be the that, case this year. I think that person was me. <laughs> was it? But then I still lost. It might have right. been Driscoll. You All nailed. Right, so, yes, and, yeah. and that was in the mock draft. Um, All right. So how so. We we wait until they. Wh- what do you think? What do you want to do? Just name it now, and I'll for the guys who choice. are in between. I think, uh, yeah, I think we go by what they say initially, but but we will we will hold it um, as pending until we see them their first day lining up. Okay, all right, Will that work for you, ZB. Day one, day Works one, where they line up. Okay, all right, day one, where they line up. So I'm trying to think of who the tackles are on the roster. And what the likelihood would be. Uh, all right, I'll go uh, interior offensive line. Okay. No real, no real reason for it. Just, you know, you draft an offensive lineman at some point. I'm I thinking. Guess day, if, yeah, day one where they line up is tough because if, like if it's like a Slater, you would think, you know, they're drafting him to be the eventual right tackle or even left tackle, but he, he's probably early on lining up at guard. But, yeah, okay. Are they taking Jason Kelsey's replacement in this draft? Uh, I don't know, dude. Is that just Sayamalu? Yeah, that's what be. I wonder. Or, or it could be Creed Humphrey, as uh, as Dane had the Eagles in their mock draft last week. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't like a, a, you know, taking a center in the second round. Um, for all second the reasons, round, we've, huh? I don't, I don't. I feel like second round's a different animal. It's not for the red flag stuff. I don't. This is not a positional value thing. I'm, I'm talking okay. about just in terms of like Stoutland's ability to get the most out of guys. Okay, um, that's true. I don't know if I use a second round pick on a center. All right. But okay. Uh, all right. Well, this is tough. Uh, I mean, I will definitely take tackle um, because I think there is upside there that that could be their first round pick. It would be it would be a, an odd pick, but uh, I will take that. And then, geez, quarterback, tight end, and kicker, punter, or long snapper, I guess. Um. I think quarterbacks got higher upside, but tight end is more likely to be drafted. It does. How early do you point. think they could draft a quarterback? Fourth round. Okay. Uh, I don't think they're taking a tight end until until day three. 
I mean, Goddard but, is going into the last year of his contract, is he not? He is. That's correct. Is. I can't imagine they'd be trading Ertz unless they have a, a, a good idea that Goddard's getting an extension. But they also don't have another quarterback on the roster besides Hertz okay, and Flacco. Flacco. Okay, yes. Right. Correct. Like, they need another quarterback somehow. Yeah, but that's going to be a third guy. You don't need to draft that guy. I think they're going to draft that guy. But I think they're going to draft that guy in day three, too. Um, or a, a, a hopeful, you know, a, a, another Thorson dart throw. Uh, because I mean, it's not that like Flacco solving the backup quarterback, quarterback position. He's, For he's this year, he gone. is. You paid him like he is. Yeah, but he's he's, he's it's a one so year stupid. deal. He's old. I listen. You don't need to convince me of right. your your. But but for this year, Joe Flacco is on your roster as the backup quarterback. You decided to be aggressive and pay him like that because it was so important. And so if you're in the second or third round and you find a guy you like, I mean, that guy, his upside is going to be the third quarterback on the roster, unless somehow he just is unbelievable and, you know, beats everyone out for the starting job, which is highly unlikely. They've also got like developmental tight end guys on the roster. They do. Is it, yeah. They've got, you know, um, that former quarterback. They've got Hakeem Butler, Caleb Wilson, Okay. Uh, I ah, this is tough. This is gonna swing. This is gonna make or break me. I'm not gonna win. My roster is not not good enough. I think I think eh, I think Zach might take it again. I'm gonna go. I'll go tight end. Okay. Great. Now after I just said they're not taking a quarterback, yeah. why did I talk you out of that? Good I question. I think you should have to take quarterback, and I'll take tight end. <laughs> this will be this. It'll it'll be a good. Uh, Full circle moment. You'll get to cheer when they draft this year. So, so hypothetically, if they took Zach Davidson, who is a tight end slash punter, do you get credit for both of those? Oh, I want to know more about that guy. Yeah, tight end slash well, I mean, punter. I think you're going to yes. get the punter, Zach. But I've been calling on this for years to <laughs> yeah. just have somebody else do that stuff. Uh, and he went and and Dane had Eagles taking him in the mock draft in the seventh round. He's uh, mm. I think Central Missouri. Uh, he was recruited as a as a punter, but he's like six seven, added tight end, and uh, is a tight end prospect, but can also punt. Now I don't know if he's a good enough punter to be into, uh, a, a pro punter, but he's definitely a tight end prospect in this draft. Wow, this sounds like my favorite prospect in the draft. Yeah, yeah check him out. Uh, six my foot seven. My favorite prospect is William Sherman. Okay. Uh, all right. So is there a reason? I... Yeah, because he's going to come in handy when they play Atlanta. All right. That's I a word take, joke. Okay. Uh, I guess I'll take quarter. I don't know. Is there a chance? they? I guess there's a chance they'd take a kicker or a punter, right? I a think punter? they could draft a punter. Yeah, they could draft a punter. Eh, I'll just go quarterback. On I that think you field. got to. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to, even if they draft a punter, it's not going to be until the sixth round. Like they could draft a quarterback before that. Yeah, so they want to be a punter factory. <laughs> I do not believe they're going <laughs> to draft a punter, but I suppose I am. I am stuck with that, right? <laughs> so, you are. You yeah, can hope so. for the long snapper. So, Zach, you have cornerback, defensive tackle, running back, and kicker punter. Shield has wide receiver, safety, interior offensive line, and quarterback. I feel good. I think I might win yeah. this. This I think might you be might, my year. I think I you like might my win squad. Too. You could take it. There's it, there's a very real chance I think they go wide receiver, safety one in rounds one and two. And then I've got Maybe. defensive end, linebacker. Tackle and tight end. I don't. I do not think this will be my year. Now, if they go, if they go hybrid slot corner slash safety, what do we do? Same, same deal. Oh, good question. That's a good one. 
What if it's a big nickel? What if it's a third safety big nickel? I think TB we're going to have to split it. The big nickel. Uh, we can figure that out next time. We'll figure and, out the rules. And, and what if it's Isaiah Simmons-esque? What if it's a... Uh, a safety well, then, you just, then you just throw a parade and <laughs> yes. we all fet you as you go yeah, down. You yeah, you win. If it's anyone who gets compared to Isaiah Simmons, you win regardless of the other. There is, there is no one that good, but there is uh, Diablo from Virginia Tech who uh, mm. who is that hybrid type. Or your boy, uh, or what, J-O-K? Jeremiah Owusu Karamoa. Karamoa. Well, that would be an outstanding pick. Yes. All right. Well, that'll do it for uh, this episode of Birds with Friends. Very uh, very draft and football heavy. We will do that again on Thursday. We're going to welcome back Coach Flynn to talk some wide receivers. And then next week... And tight ends. And Kyle Pitts. And tight yeah. ends. Yes. And, uh, and whatever else. I'm sure he's got takes on the quarterbacks and everything else. And then next week we will have the uh, pre-draft extravaganza. That'll be uh, a live YouTube show at some point early next week. And then just for your, uh, you know, your planning purposes zach and i will be doing another live stream during the draft until the eagles pick in round one on thursday night and then of course we will all be here for uh podcasts after each night of the draft thursday friday and saturday uh it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a long haul John. I look forward to it. A lot to live up to. Last year was was quite the pod. That post that one hurts pick pod was quite the pod. That's true. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you on Thursday. Thank you to Marissa. Thank you to Dane. And as always, we love you.